This is exactly right. Hello. We want to take a second to tell you about one of our favorite podcasts, Disgraceland. If you like music, pop culture, and true crime, this is the podcast for you. Through host Jake Brennan's deeply researched storytelling, you'll hear all about the lives and crimes of musicians like Jerry Lee Lewis, Jay-Z, The Rolling Stones, and so many more. And now Disgraceland is expanding to include artists, actors, athletes, and other icons from Anthony Bourdain to Andy Warhol. Full episodes are released every Tuesday. Check out Disgraceland on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Goodbye. What did you say? Cross your... Cross your T's and dot your everythings. <laughs> <laughs> That's us tightening up, the sh- tightening the ship. Yeah. You know, trying to be correct. Trying to fucking do it right. Yeah. Just be professionals. <clears throat> That's the goal. That's the dream. So cross your T's and dot your everything. It's not going to happen on this episode. Nope. Welcome to My Favorite Murder. <laughs> That's Georgia Hardstark. That's Karen Kilgareth. This is the show where we talk about our favorite true crime stories and other things. I love that our, our ads, like I'm having so much more fun with our ads now that we're like saying what they're saying, you know, like our tone of voice in them being very normal. Yeah, we're practicing being normal. <laughs> we're practicing um, having professional speaking voices. I think it's working. I like it. It's good practice. Yeah. <clears throat> um, hi. Because you've just been asked to be the voice of McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> Chicken McNuggets. Uh, can I start off with business? Yeah. Way up front. Yeah. This is important. Um, the story that I told last week about <laughs> Ronnie Chasen's murder, her oh. shooting death, was taken entirely from an article that a man named Gary Baum wrote for The Hollywood Reporter. And I did not credit him until the 50-minute mark. And somebody called me out about it on Twitter. And of course, at first, I was very offended and completely i texted steven i was like this isn't possible and i remember you mentioning it too yeah like it was clear to me what you were saying but i think the thing the important thing and the reason i'm pointing it out like this is because uh the end when i went to listen back it wasn't even full credit the way i said it was almost like i was citing him for the following quote as opposed to everything i'd been saying so just to make that point, my apologies to Gary Baum of The Hollywood Reporter. I did not mean to take credit for your hard work. I feel like the only reason that story is out there is because of the articles he's written based on the research he's done on these files that Beverly Hills Police has released. And it's it's all him. I was just reading his quotes and his timeline, mm-hmm. chronology, all of it. So um, I should have said that at the very beginning uh, where it belongs. And I apologize for not doing that. So well, I, sometimes at the very end, you know, we'll be like, and I got a lot of help from this article by this person. So maybe we should say that in the beginning, even it's, if it's not the whole thing. Right. I mean, I, you know, we could go through and pull it's the thing is this we we're never about like i went down and read these files at the right you know police station or whatever like but it that doesn't mean people that are listening know that or give us the benefit of the doubt or understand mm-hmm. um so i think that's especially for me as a professional writer <laughs> being accused of plagiarism is a horrible mm. uh feeling mm-hmm. and something that i never want to keep the door open on so i will always cite 
from now on and just be very careful. But I think it's also, it's good to get called on something because that's a line that get, once it gets sloppy, it just gets sloppier for me anyway. It's like, I'm always like, oh, I have to do my book report at the last minute. Yeah. And then it's, you. to me, that's like, oh, it's this built-in excuse to like, be sloppy and there's no excuse for that you can't do that the thing of like well this was already said perfectly so i'm gonna do that but right but you could put your spin on it well in the past we've always just gone i'm i'm totally reading you this article from like the i5 killer was almost all espn.com article Mm -hmm. or like most of the timeline and most of that bulk of information so like that's how we do it we're retelling you articles that we've read but you just have to say it yeah that's not what we're always doing. So I don't want... That's not this podcast. I'm sorry. That's what I'm always doing. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that's not what this podcast is. So that was a dot your everything corner or a cross your T corner. That's exactly right. That's... Are those two different things? No. Oh, yes. Okay. No. Yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I do. I do. Oh, can I... This is a good segue into my podcasting fa- favorites now corner. Okay. Can I do this? So I'm now listening to, in my fucking quest to always be listening to a like a season-long narrative true crime podcast that I'm obsessed with and then finish in a week and I'm fucking devastated. Um, <laughs> I love that that's the e- at the end. Like you're, it's like you're throwing yourself off a cliff on purpose for a good story. Yeah, I need them. <laughs> yeah. I crave those things. And then you grieve them when it's over. Yeah, and I'm like, what do I do with my fucking life now? And yeah. then I find a new one. Thank fucking God. So please, listen, keep making them investigative journalists. And Georgia will keep not throwing herself off a cliff for them. It's called The Accused. And it's about this, this chick named Elizabeth Andes in Ohio in 1978 who got murdered and like some dude they arrested him and he went to trial twice and was acquitted and like who fucking did it and this chick who's like researching it is awesome and asks the hard questions to the cops and stuff but with like a really cute sweet voice so it's not i like it (laughs) oh and then oh the other thing i was gonna say is speaking of just reading articles this is my new sleeping podcast it's called mysteries abound Mm. and it's just this dude with the most soothing british accent you've ever heard hello and he's just reading articles of mysterious things that have happened so it's like mars and murder and then like you know uh people who people who have mysteriously (laughs) how do i fucking turn this alarm off my watch i don't know it's (coughs) always done that just Um, once a day you have to think about it yeah in the middle of a podcast yeah Anyways, it's, I've been falling asleep to it. and it's That sounds awesome. Great. It's so soothing. And they're real mysteries. Like, he's not just making stuff up. No, he's reading them from, like, this is from uh, this article written by so-and-so. And he'll just read it. Yeah. And so, he, you know, the whole podcast is him reading articles. But in the beginning, he's like, I found this one. I found that one. And uh, I'll save some of them because I'm like, well, I want to listen to this when I'm awake because it's really interesting. <laughs> Does it affect your dreams? Do you ever yes. have that? Yeah. Um. But then I'm worried I fall asleep in the car when I'm like listening to the episode of like, that's about, you know, this person who disappeared. Five unexplained disappearances. (laughs) And then your eyes are just suddenly getting heavy. Yeah. You've hypnotized yourself with mystery. And then I put my sleep apnea mask on. How did this get in my car? Hey, what? The whole thing is just, and then suddenly you're in seventh grade and you have to take a test. No, this is the worst. Uh, My thing was I always had, my dream was always I had to go back and I'd be like 
35 and I'd have to go back to high school and play a softball game. And I'd be like, you guys, this is a, this isn't fair because I'm old and B I can't, I won't be good. Yeah. Like, why are you making me do this? Trying to reason with everybody. And they're yeah. just like, come on. When you have to do something in your dream that you really don't want to do that you could get out of in real life by saying you, you know, have fuck a headache. This. Yeah. <laughs> or fuck this. <laughs> I, have a, I have a headache. Fuck this. <laughs> Forward slash. Yeah. It's just yeah. like, I feel like it, up until you were 18, you just had such a, such little control over your life that mm-hmm. we're still getting over it. And like, when I realized when I was like, had my first job at 15 and I walked into the candy aisle and I was like, I don't have to ask anyone if I can buy any fucking, I could gorge myself on candy right now. Yeah. It was really freeing. Yeah. And I did. Because it was your money. It was my like, money. you could do whatever you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I was there alone because, you know, my parents neglected me. <laughs> and it was amazing. Oh, for a second, I thought you meant you worked at that place. So you were like, you worked at the place where you could get the thing you wanted. I worked at a place and had money to get the thing I wanted. Yeah. But then when I worked in a bakery, yes, I would fucking accidentally <sighs> break a ton of cookies. Oh, man. I worked at a coffee shop once that made the best... It was oatmeal chocolate chip cookies that I just, it was just the beginning of the worst eating disorder because I would just be sitting there and just like, well, it's your sixth cookie of the day and you're not hungry and you actually feel sick and you're still eating it. What are you doing? Like, are those like, you know, those like Chantilly almond cookies that are like, what are those called? Florentines. Yes. The ones that are shaped like that they have at Starbucks that are shaped like shells circular no that's madeline shit i mean i'll eat any fucking cookie let's (laughs) let's let's get to it but a florentine is what like um it's that like crackly thin um like does it have sugar on the top no does it does it have a face its own face (laughs) no you're thinking of one of those clown ice creams oh that's right that's right a clown ice cream from baskin robbins yes there it is steven showing you oh thank you steven is that what they're called florentines you know those guys dude this kind the crisp thin uh almondy one it's like almond and maybe like something like caramel says the girl who fucking worked in baking for seven years of her life it must be caramel yeah because they're chewy or is it like a brown sugar Someone's oh, screaming. Uh, now I'm making weird saliva noises know, into the mic. They have these at Trader Joe's. Oh, they, and they're half dipped in chocolate. Uh, yes, the bottom. Oh, so I good. can't buy those because I'll fucking eat them all. Same here. My dad started buying those. Oh, I know, Steven. Steven's showing me and I'm <laughs> like, honey. <laughs> Steven's trying to pass the pictures around. Look, honey, don't show me a picture of the thing I've eaten 1,000 of. Listen, don't show me anything. I, can I introduce this, this saying? <laughs> don't show me anything. <laughs> no, there's this. This is another thing I say all the time that nobody knows what it means except for me and I think it's hilarious is where there was this JLo documentary quote documentary when like on VH1 when she was like making her clothing line for the first time in like early 2000s and someone shows her this jean thing and she's like I don't like it and they're like well this is it we've already manufactured it and she goes don't show me nothing I can't change yeah don't show me nothing like why are you and then why are you showing this to me and so sometimes I'm just like don't show me anything I can't change please yeah. That's right. Don't show me nothing I can't change. That's I I love her. I'm oh, yeah. sorry, I love Jay. What a bitch. And you know and you could see the girl who was like fresh out of fucking fid fid fidum? Fidum? Fresh out of like fashion design college just having an inner meltdown. Yes. That's a serious mistake when it's like, oh, but we've already made fifty thousand. Yeah, of but them. this is what you said you wanted. Yeah. And she's like, But now that the cameras are rolling, you have to seem like you're the boss. Yeah. Well, and also you gotta double check and maybe triple check. 
That, she did. I bet you she did. I think so. I think she did. I'd love the behind the scenes. Uh, uh, it's like the <laughs> fake behind the scenes and the real behind the scenes would be just, I mean, anyways. Th- that's the show people actually want to see. Uh-huh. Yes. The footage of the footage that wasn't. The footage that explains the behavior. That's what we'll have if we ever have a docu-drama. Like no holds barred. Every single, yeah. every single thing showed. Karen, your hair looks great. And then me going, why does Karen's hair look better than mine? <laughs> fired, fired, fired. Then you hire somebody that doesn't do hair. No, it's to prove a point. Yeah. And you get them in there. They do hair better than the person I have. Then I, so then I lure your person away. Oh my God. Meltdown. Uh, fuck, this is good. Then I fucking shave my head <laughs> just to be like, oh yeah. Well, and, <laughs> and that puts you in all the papers. You get the most publicity. Mm, it's just all I want in life. Um, God, this Stephen, you're writing this down, right? This is a plan. Oh, it's being recorded. That's fine. We don't have Wait, to. we're recording. <laughs> Wait a second. Okay. Do you want to, do you want news? I can do news corner. I wrote some stuff down. Some of it's not that great. News corner about a crime thing. Yeah, do it. Okay. So, uh, uh, uh this was so hard for me not to tell you at the airport when we were on our way home from, uh, Austin. Oh, cause I read it and I was like, this isn't so in Massachusetts, a crime lab, this woman named Annie Dukan was arrested for mishandling 60,000 samples of, it was a drug crime lab. She like tested 60,000 samples and she mishandled them for 34,000 defendants. <gasps> 140 of those people were inmates because of her mishandling. Oh, So they shit. have to let 23 convicted, people convicted got their sentences overturned. Now are they convicted of drug crimes? Yes. So that doesn't bother me that much. That they're convicted of drug crimes or they're let, that yeah, they're they're being let, let go. And I, I agree. And then they're keeping the people who also had violent, you know, it wasn't just a drug crime. It was like a violent felony added onto that. They're right. retrying those people. Fuck. So these 23,000 people, 20,000 of them, let's say, who were like, I had an ounce of weed in my pocket. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're like, oh, well, it, it wasn't weed. It was oregano. But this chick, Annie, like, fucked it up. Purposely. Really? Purposely. She was trying to put people away. She was trying to be the top dog and look how great I am at this job oh, and like no. have the most convictions and like, but she was just, and all the people who worked with her were like, this isn't right. And the people who were her boss were like, no, this is great. Oh, and so they're trying no. to get more oversight on at crime labs now. There's the new, um, that's the TV movie I want to see. But it reminds me of the story that I told you last week of the body that was found in the car with the Uber sticker on it. <gasps> And then a bunch of people wrote to us and said, was it because, you know, Cuba Gooden Jr.'s father was found dead in a no. car. But uh, the guy in the car that I read about was in his 30s. Oh. And so it's not the same. A bunch of people were saying, what if this is what if this is the thing? But we're Cuba Gooden Jr. Could it his dad? That's what ha- I didn't know that happened. Yeah, it it happened the same day. And that's why a bunch of people were writing to us. That's insane. Yeah. I have one more thing about podcasts. I'm not saying like you're not. Oh, you're going to... back to podcast yes. recommendations because, and we both need to listen to this this week. Fresh Air has an interview with a woman who was a doctor at Bellevue Hospital with mentally ill inmates for ten years. Mm-hmm. Dude, I saw somebody tweeted that to us, and I saw there is an amazing America Undercover, which used to be an HBO series, A Day in the Life at Bellevue. Oh my god, that we watched. This was in the '90s and talked about for months afterwards because it's so disturbing it's unbelievable but it's also just that that life 
to be a doctor i mean that's what my mom did for a living yeah. so like to also watch it and just be like yeah this is your day-to-day it's so intense and you like every you know everything is wrong but if you leave it's just gonna get wronger because you're a good person trying to help so like you can't really take yourself out of it because you feel like you need to try to do something to help well yeah and most of those people have an incredible um obviously like thick skin but like they're not gonna quit that's not that's not it they're they just like get stronger and tougher yeah as the insanity grows around i mean it's it's so intense i i would love to hear that interview me too it's just crazy the way mental mental illness was treated back then in a way that is horrifying to watch that documentary it's yeah 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 uh well that just made me think of something else oh i want you and i together can we please promise to watch casting jean benet together absolutely it's this sunday yes okay can i come over because there's a wrestling thing that vince is girl yes watching here we can do it from my house okay so good then casting jean benet is on the books mm-hmm. real-time feelings definitely um do we live tweet or is that going too far Sure, we could live tweet it. Let's do it. My fave Is that murder. going too far? <laughs> or have we truly crossed the line this time? Um, My fave murder on Twitter is what we are on Twitter. It's what we are. It's who we become. It's who, we, it's who we've lived as Listen, for so long now. It's our identity. It's our spirit. Go ahead. Uh, I'm done. No, no. Um, we want to talk about those cards that we got oh my god present corner I, everything doesn't have to be a corner <laughs> i need to stop it <laughs> we're recording uh, in the daytime today and it's got a real um i feel like we're really forced to analyze ourselves on this episode yeah. we're really there's a lot of shoegazing a lot of internal uh an- analysis in the light of day this podcast looks real different Whew. there's Whew. no there's no steven doesn't have a beer I don't have wine. Everyone's pores are really big. Oh, and the reason we're not recording yet from yesterday in the evening is because one of my biggest fears in the fucking world happened, which is that a fucking big rig jumped the center divider. Fuck, is that true? Came into oncoming traffic, which is like no. a big fucking terror. Yeah. Like, you I know when know you're going was- like 80 in the fast lane and the, the center divider is like a brick yeah and you're like <laughs> any person could just jump over i i picture it happening yeah well so it did happen it did happen out like down the street from both of us yeah so it basically between our houses yeah. it happened and then steven texts and is like oh no like all these exits are closed i can't get anywhere near your house and immediately i'm like oh well should we reschedule just immediately <laughs> and we're both like okay, okay let's reschedule okay bye bye cancel 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 the house today i love to cancel <laughs> okay so anyway yes. we uh georgia put this on instagram we got these cards in the mail that are the most amazing greeting cards. Oh my God. And uh, they are, there's a hand drawn, they're like just basically um, illustration, you know, what do you call those? Pen and ink or mm-hmm. something? Um, pen and ink. Is that redundant? Is ink. I feel like pen and ink is a term, but I yeah. could be wrong. But you're right. But anyway. Sketches. Yeah, they're like, it's pen a drawing. Ink. So it's like a picture of John Wayne Gacy, and then it says, who ordered the birthday clown? 
or the Ste- or I mean Stephen King, the um, Ted Bundy one. I love. It's you know, it's an it's a portrait of an actual photo of them that you've seen before, and it mm-hmm. says. Um, does anyone want to help me carry these birthday presents to my car? <laughs> yes. And in that one, the Ted Bundy eyes are nuts. Oh, up. my God. They're great. And then the one of um, Richard Ramirez holding his hand up in court, which usually has a pentagram mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. But instead, it what does it say? It is, happy birthday. Is it happy birthday? <laughs> which is like, okay, it's cr- it might cross a line somewhere, but it's like horrifying serial killers that, you know, are big in the society and we all know and love and hate. So I don't think it's like... No, it's just references. It's like you've seen this picture a thousand times. Now it's a birthday card. And then, okay, on top of that, two things. He wrote a note with it in the style to us, in the style of Zodiac Killer, including Mm -hmm. saying at the end, like, hey, I hope you like these, blah, blah, blah. I shot a man sitting in a parked car with a 38. Like, (laughs) greeting at the end. And then it says, John, uh, John 12, S. FPD zero like it's got all the characteristics of Zodiac and then so you can go to Etsy.com slash shop and the name of his Etsy is depressive ghoul G-H-O-U-L but it came to to my house your house house which is my home just so I uh unsettling I brought this package to Steven and Georgia when we were recording uh ads last Friday and I said um Let's open this together. But just so you know, this got sent to my house. And Which, then, and you we, know, Karen is fiercely private. I, so I'm just like my dogs, fiercely yeah. private. And so it was a little scary. But then they were so funny that we weren't that scared anymore because we were just laughing and kind of like going, can I have this one? I want yeah. this one. No one that clever. There's even a Mother's Day one from like Ed Gein. Yes. Like no one that clever <laughs> can be dangerous or if Could they are, they? it's like, all right. And, and meanwhile, we're looking at picture all pictures of people who are that clever and that dangerous. But <laughs> we're so good. So anyway, so Georgia puts it we love them so much georgia puts it on instagram blah 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 then two days later i get a dm from my twitter friend john freiler and he writes hey i'm glad you like those cards it seems like people on instagram are mad at me for sending them to your house though and then i realize that this i know this person and he asked me he was like i think he tried to send them to the p.o box and they got sent back so i just gave him my home address my friend john freiler who is he he's a guy i know on twitter and basically i've known him for it's just that where he was like i love your podcast can i send you this thing did you have any idea how fucking talented this human is no i had no idea how talented he was and i had absolutely no memory of the conversation whatsoever until he basically was scared because murderinos were like hey motherfucker leave them alone oh no yes and so he was basically coming back it was to funny. us funny i didn't i didn't truly think someone was going to come attack you no i know but i think it's that thing of like they don't want to be represented that way of like yeah we're not yeah we, we don't want to be creeps to you so don't be a creep to them and oh. he's like hey guess what everybody I, w- I wasn't like we tried to give him a boost to like sell his cards <laughs> and they're like fuck you it turned on him i'm sorry john we I don't everything think- about your package was just amazing amazing i was gonna give my mom what's the mother's day other mother's day one um, I can't remember. It was Ed Gein and then something else. And I was like, I'm going to give this to my mom just to horrify her for Mother's <laughs> Day. Ed Kemper, the co-ed killer, and says yeah. the thing. Of, it's so funny. Ed Kemper, he really did not like his mother. No. Uh, so anyway, thanks, thanks, John. Those are amazing and hilarious. And that whole story. If he hadn't written to me forever, I would have been just a little yeah, bit worried yeah. in the back of my mind. You'd hear crunch of leaves at night. Yeah. But also what's funny is I was like, oh, we talked about that six months ago. And then I checked. It was like a month ago. 
<laughs> horrifying. Oh, we're good. Horrifying. We're um, good. Also, uh, this is just the anecdote I wanted to tell you the other day. April and I were at our, our pre where we do our show hangout mm-hmm. and, uh, I went to the bathroom and I was standing there and there's a woman that was waiting and she's like, sorry, there's somebody in there that are taking a really long time. And we stood there for five full minutes. Are you a knocker? I'm a knocker. I have a full on knocker and a rage knocker. So oh. I was just like, get the fuck out of there. Three knocker. minutes. Yeah. So that's what you have. Finally, a guy comes out of the men's room and then the woman there, another girl came and was waiting behind me and we were both like, just use the men's room. Oh, They're singles. For sure. So she goes in there. The girl behind me steps up to like, wait. So now she's second in line or whatever. And she looks and goes, oh my God, I was just listening to your podcast, whatever. So we have a moment. Her name was Mia, I believe, from what I remember. We have a moment, chit chat, whatever. And then we're just, and I knock again, the whole thing. And Does anyone respond? No. And just I was like, Be I was like, nice we need to get a waitress over here. I go, I bet someone's passed out on the toilet. Well, finally Mia steps up and tries the doorknob you and do it's that. open. We were standing there for, I'm not kidding, like almost 10 minutes with an empty, unlocked bathroom door just standing there. Oh my God. And like, and you got angry out of it. You I, know was, what I, mean? I was mad twice. Oh my god! When the other girl came out of the the men's room, were you like, "Listen, bitch"? <laughs> no, that was she was like, "Come and gone." But when she opened it, I just yelled, "Dude!" in her face and walked it. Like it was the funniest moment. It was really funny. It was a fun moment. Hi, hi to you. I hope your name was Mia because I'm pretty sure it was. That's good, man. People need to. We were talking about at live shows, and I'm fucking a big fan of this because it's like 70 percent women that before the show starts and there's like Vince goes out to like look around and he's like there's the craziest line in the women's restroom and I know that in on the weekends at the ferry building in San Francisco they'll close one of the men's room to women only and they're like men go upstairs and use the bathroom because there's five of you and they turn the men's room into a woman's room which I think is so fucking forward thinking and so fucking awesome and I appreciate it very much and I think we should I think some of the places we do shows do that already but I think we should all do that. You're staring at me. Do you not agree? No, I don't know. I'm just thinking of all that bathroom politics that oh. people, I mean, that it just immediately put me in that place of like, ugh, all the people that are like, and then the people that'll go into the room and all that shit where it's like, no, one, that's not a real thing. Yeah, just pee. That's not, yeah, that's a public place. You're fine. And yeah, it should be dedi- it should be dictated by the numbers. Like have you ever seen there's a really funny picture of the women's restroom line at a Rush concert? <laughs> it's like just there's no. no one there at all. Oh my god. It's same diff. Question. And I'm not asking for myself necessarily, but if you're in a public restroom, it's pretty, you know, sizable like at the airport and you're peeing, is a public restroom an okay p- place to fart? Yeah, I think that's the only place okay. that it's because sometimes like, I'm like societally acceptable. I mean, it's, they can still hear it just as loudly as if you were at the sink. Uh huh. But but they can't see your face. That's okay. all that matters. All right. Good. It's all about shame. Yeah. Just do it where you can't. I mean, especially at the airport. Jesus yeah. Christ. Everyone has gas at the airport. Got to do it. Airport is fit. That's how the planes fly. <laughs> <laughs> They're fueled on everyone's gas from airport food. <laughs> Too much alcohol. Nine dollar bottles of water. Yeah, nerves. Nerves. Fear you're gonna get dragged off the plane for no reason. Constipation from massive pharmaceuticals Ugh. just to get the anxiety away from Oh, I never thought about that. There's so many more pharmaceuticals at the airport. Yeah. I just didn't think of uh, I didn't either. That's uh, that's exactly right. Dude. 
have you ever seen that? And we'll get it. Then we'll get on to business okay, skippers. Okay. Uh, have you ever seen that? Um, I can't. It's not night vision, but it's like heat vision uh-huh. footage of a guy that farts. <laughs> oh no, I it's don't like those. So fun. You don't like well because they do it for people walking down the street, not people who know, right? <clears throat> That's exactly right. But I they don't, don't like show that. the person. It's just the torso down. Yeah. But they just show so you can actually see what it looks like when someone farts. This like the cloud. It's <sighs> the funniest thing I've ever seen. I hate it. And <laughs> it reminds me of when people would tell other kids that if you pee in the pool, like there's a dye and it'll make it show up green. Mm-hmm. And so you're, it's not true, but you're terrified. It just reminds me of that where it's like shame yeah. right on top of you. That's right. Yeah. It's anything you coming out of you. Human. Yes. Although peeing in a pool isn't human. Peeing a pool's enjoyable. It's, I mean, you got to expect some level of pee in a pool. Well, yeah, especially with children, but also because if you're in a warm enough pool, it's kind of like that trick where you put your hand, someone's sleeping hand in a glass to make them wet yeah. the bed, but you're in a pool. It's like that same feeling, but it's so, <laughs> it's so hard to get yourself to pee in a pool, like to start it. Oh, I you're disagree. Like, you're not supposed to be free, <laughs> freely peeing. You're not supposed to be like, this is against societal norms. You got tr- like trained not to do this when you were two. Yes, that's true. Do it. But, um, if other people are in the pool, that's gross. And then what if you had vitamins that day? <laughs> people oh. are swimming. They're like, this pool water tastes weird. <laughs> no, but I have that yellow. I love that yellow pee when yep. you take vitamins. Yes. And you're just like, oh, fuck. It looks like you were in Chernobyl. And then you're like, oh, no, that's a vitamin B. Yeah. Or Everything's okay. Beets and your pee is red. Oh, I've never had that happen. It, you're like, oh, God, I'm bleeding from my pee. And then you're it's like, over. oh, wait, I ate beets yesterday. <laughs> seriously oh i went to soup plantation um <laughs> okay we've really done it listen the podcast is over thank you guys for listening it is over literally over <laughs> if you're like me you're always looking for a story to dive into whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve the key to getting hooked is the details i need rich visuals and intricate storylines and june's journey has that and more June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. 
I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter promo code space 80 uh okay i think i went first last time didn't i yes you did didn't i steven yes i can't believe i knew i can't either that you knew because i didn't this would have taken me 10 minutes to remember (laughs) it's Uh, probably because i was i had to go first i for some reason see it as a negative oh you do i do i wonder what Almost I like mind, you, I don't mind either way. Like you have to break the ice or something. But I feel like that if you go last, then you have to be like you have to close it hard. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't like going last because I don't then I can let you close it hard. Yeah. Shit. I forgot about that part. Okay. Let's just go back and forth every week. Let's, <laughs> that's a good idea. <laughs> we figured that out after how many episodes is this? 70 67? 67? 68. Steven, you should know this. Steven. 66. 66. Good old lucky 66. 66 (laughs) is not lucky. This is the devil's episode. God, do you think we'll ever get to 600? Yes, for sure. That'd be crazy, right? we start tripling up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that sounds... I want to go take a nap just hearing that. Mm -hmm. Anyways, are you ready for The Exorcism of Annalise McHale? Fuck yes, I am. Yeah, you are. All right. Annalise McHale was born on September 21st, 1952 in Leblig. Nope. Liebelfling. 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 It's not Liebelfling. I bet you it is. L-E-I-B-L-F-I-N-G. Liebelfling? Anyway, she was born in Bavaria, (laughs) West Germany. Bavaria sounds good. Yeah. Uh, West Germany, which is a pretty, yeah. Okay. It's a pretty forward-thinking face. It's not place. It's not the fucking sticks. West Germany, you know? Right? No. Bavaria? No. Anyways, she lived with her three sisters and her parents, and they family were devout Roman Catholics. They attended mass like twice a week. And <sighs> Anna, as she was known, she led a pretty normal life. You know, you see pictures of her. There's a lot of pictures of her. She's pretty. She looks very normal, you know, as a teenager. She's just a normal girl. Um, and her classmates described her as withdrawn and very religious. Ugh. Sorry. <laughs> Which part, withdrawn or very religious? <laughs> yeah, any. Or the combination of the two is like, you think you're better than me? <laughs> you think God likes you more than me? Yeah, he doesn't. Um, but it, you saying them being Roman Catholic and going to church twice a week, I just, being a raised Catholic, there's a there's a oh another echelon of Catholicism of people that go multiple times a week that makes me feel like I'm being suffocated invisibly when I hear about it. It's just that kind of like it. It's such a ritualistic, old, um, almost like 
it's old it's like it's like ancient it's ancient and it's it's kind of like i I don't know it just it worries me tell us non-catholics like fiercely non-catholics myself (laughs) uh what is mass like because i've like been in a church three times in my life it's long it's like an hour long and it is a series of prayers and songs and then in the middle in in latin no, no, no. In fi- in the fifties and the, in in this time, mm-hmm. they might have done it in Latin. They definitely did it in German. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> at it least was not in English. No. <laughs> um, but but in the late fifties, early sixties, I think they passed a thing called Vatican II, where they updated everything. So, like when my dad was growing up, my parents were growing up. The mass was in Latin, and you took Latin in school and yeah. all that. Um, so, like Vatican the sequel, Vatican II. This, electric boogaloo this came time, out this time we're not latin anymore that's right and they kind of basically updated it so that it was all in english and they cut some stuff out and they just made it a little more maybe livable i don't so, know accessible passed a couple extra laws i'm not sure okay. the details so i i've been told it multiple times so i just don't remember any just of it. tried to update it from the 1600s i think they allowed guitars for some certain kinds of hippies if they wanted to do it that way nobody that i knew did it that well way. annalise did not have a guitar and she did not go to the uh, to version 2.0 they did not of mass no uh, they just were at one point you do eat the body of christ that's kind of the main point of mass you snick, snack on the body you, of Christ. That's right. Like the spread afterwards is like. No, it's all in the middle. You drink of his blood and you eat of his body. And then you basically are forgiven for all your sins because as a mortal, you sin constantly and you have to constantly ask for forgiveness. So it's just a little background. So many questions. Uh-huh. That's, that, that's that wafer, right? Mm-hmm. And the blood is wine. Yeah, but in most masses, the normal people don't drink the wine. The priest drinks it on your behalf. What a dick. You're like, I'm good, dude. I don't need you to do it for me. Give me some. Give me some wine. This, yeah. Okay. Then, uh, at age 16, she suffers a severe epileptic fit and uh, is diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy and depression. Mm. Is that what you have? Uh, I don't think I have depression, although <laughs> I, I sure get low sometimes. <laughs> but um, mine is... Petite, uh, you get petite mall. So no, she, grand. Fuck. When I have them, they're grand. Mm, Karen doesn't do anything half-assed. <laughs> but they also call it seizure disorder. It's a different and time. sure it's, yeah, okay. Yeah. She's treated at a psychiatric hospital and is put on anti-convulsion meds. I'm sure the psychiatric hospital is not chill. Antipsychotics and mood stabilizers, as well as anti-convulsion drugs when the convulsions continued and none of it alleviated the problem. Uh, she was prescribed another drug, alept, aloped, nope, which is similar <laughs> to chlorprazim. Why didn't I take this part out? Um, <laughs> it's used in the treatment of various psychoses, including schizophrenia, disturbed behavior, and delusions. And by 1973, she's suffering um, and from depression and starts hallucinating while praying. Um, um, she complains about hearing voices telling her that she was damned and would rot in hell. Mm-hmm. And her treatment in a psychiatric hospital did not improve her, improve her health, and her depression got worse, uh. despite the meds. Long-term treatment did not help, and she grew increasingly frustrated with the medical intervention. She'd tear her clothes off, she'd eat coal, and she'd urinate on the floor and then try to lick it up. Huh. Yeah. The... Oh, okay. Let's play diagnose her right now. She's got schizophrenia. Well, or she's, she's developing schizophrenia. 
Well, or has it, but also I used to always be fascinated. There's a, there's a illness called pica, which is you, right. your, the need to eat inedible things, which it sounds like she has, but that might be a, a symptom of a bigger, I the, think the schizophrenia itself. And pica is like, you're low on some necessary, uh, minerals. Yes. Yeah. Let's yeah. A lot of people eat drywall. My friend ate, would, had the incredible urge. She never did it as far as I know to eat laundry detergent. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's like on my um, my crazy obsession. There's a show yeah. on TLC where people... Couch stuffing. Yes. The lady who ate the couch. Yeah. So nutso. This same friend had bought like or stole from a pharmacy Epicac. Oh. And she was like, I'm bulimic. I'm going to try it. And then she, she did it. And she was like, that was the worst experience. And I think she stopped being bulimic after that because it was Whoa. the worst experience of her life. Because syrup of Epicac just makes you vomit horribly everything you everything you have in your stomach it's for children we eat poison yeah so a lot of parents will have it on hand just in case anyways oh, and it gives you like food poisoning barfing it's it's retching until your entire stomach contents are just gone anyways that was a sidebar sidebar and also <laughs> what no just I just love how we're just like, maybe it's this and maybe it's that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. We're really, we're Medical really doing experts. a service yeah. to everything. <laughs> so she finished high school when she, and when she was 20, uh, she started studying at the University of Wurzburg. So she went to university, even though she had these issues and I couldn't complete community college I mean, for more seriously? than a year. <laughs> like that's, I could barely hold down a job. Good for her. Yeah. I mean, I'd walk out of jobs sometimes. Yeah. Just never come back. Um, her symptoms had significantly worsened though. Um, oh, she was studying to become a teacher, but her problems got worse. She heard voices telling her, I already said that she saw devil faces. She became suicidal and her family believed that she was suffering from demonic possession. Oh, jump to demonic possession. Yeah. A family friend arranged a pilgrimage to a sacred spring in San Damiano and friend became convinced that she was possessed because her inability to walk past a crucifix and drink holy water. Do you drink holy water? No. Why? So then what's the inability? Like Not everyone's sure. hands have been in it. <laughs> I wouldn't either. <clears throat> yeah. I've never heard of drinking it as a, except for in like horror movies. Okay. But what, I don't know. Maybe it's different in West Germany. I'm not Maybe. sure. She became aggressive and she took to self harming and she would st- Okay, and she ate insects, she growled at religious icons, and would sit under her kitchen table barking for two days. So the family sought help from the church. Many, <laughs> the, the thing that's causing the problem is where they go for help. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like every single solution, aside from like the psychiatric place, yeah. every single solution is religious-based. Well, it's like when you hear of those parents who like these days who refuse to go to... Uh, the doctor to get help and then they get arrested and their kid dies because it really just needed penicillin or whatever the fuck or yeah like, and the kid dies and they get they get convicted and of child neglect yeah so yeah anyways many of the priests they saw said annalise needed a doctor even the priests were like hey yeah um but one eventually said that she needed an exorcism and then she was granted one. You have to get granted an exor- to be exercised under the condition that it would be done in total secrecy. And her parents were like, that sounds on the lev. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> right? Like, everyone's like, no, no, no. Go to a doctor. Go to a doctor. One's like, sure. Just don't tell anyone. Yeah. 
great. That's what we've been waiting to hear. Well, maybe because they were trying to be progressive and there's yes. it, exorcisms are about as like retro as you could be in the church. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so in 75, she and her parents stopped seeking medical advice altogether. Huh. So three days after her 27th birthday, 22nd birthday, and over the next 10 months, uh, Father Arnold Rents and Pastor Ernst Alt performed 67 exorcisms on her. Whoa. Uh, for fucking, yeah. Six, 10 months and 67, like, series of exorcisms. And it said that every, but they say that every action that they took during these times and rituals were all condoned by Annalise. Who's fucking mentally ill? She's like, yeah, bring it on. This is what I need. Why are you letting, she shouldn't be, she shouldn't have decision-making, you know, capacities anymore. What's that? Well, also, what if nothing else is working, what else are you going to do? I mean, if not, if you've gone to hospitals and you've and nothing is changing it, then of course you're like, yes, keep trying this other thing. Yeah. Um, they would attempt to drive the demons from her body while she would argue with them into demonic voices. And guess what? They fucking taped them all audio tape them all and videotape them whoa would you rather watch and listen to one of those or listen to a 911 call uh one of those are you sure yeah. having been a catholic yes it's terrifying is it yeah i mean it's 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 terrifying because it's scary and her voice is insane but it's also horrifying because you can tell it's just like there's someone acting in a way that like they're mentally ill and it's like it was almost like it was um like ramping her up yeah it's really fucking horrifying. Um, Wait, so when you listened to it, you didn't believe she was possessed. You believed that she was mentally ill and well, basically answering the call that they yeah. were. Okay. And having fits of like moments of mental illness. And I don't believe in like, it's not like I would have believed that because I don't believe in God and the devil and all this. Okay. Um, but so the, I, all I could see it was from a mental illness point of view because that's all I have to, to hold me together. Um, <laughs> And, and explain my myself. And me, wait, she stopped eating altogether. She believed it would lessen the evil's control over her. And she got so weak that her parents had to hold her up when she got too weak to do it herself. So they would like hold her up, take her to bed, carry her around shit. And there's these fucking photos, man. So she was this normal, pretty, regular young woman. And the photos look like they're from a horror movie. Oh, no. I mean, her, like, she has these, like, uh, blisters on her mouth. She ends up being 60 pounds. Oh, no. She looks like, and do you ever see the photo of, the, like, when they found someone's sister in the back room who had scoliosis and they just left her back there and, star like, starved her? And they found her in, like, the 70s back there and took photos of her and she was alive, which is also terrifying. She looked like that. She looked like an, an old woman oh no it's really horrible but you can tell it's her i've never heard of that scoliosis story it's really sad it was making me think of that part in pet cemetery where the sister sits up in bed it Ugh. might be that <laughs> well i mean you know what <clears throat> do you I think that's think what it is that's what that scary thing where she sits up that's really fast her Okay, that is, but it looks like that. Yes, so what I was talking about was fiction. No, 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 because then it also, the, please, it's yeah. like people haven't been fucking abandoned and locked into back rooms or whatever. No, and so but it just, the, like the way you just described that, I was like, oh, wait, that's, that's the best part of that fucking movie, best worst part of that movie. It is, I forgot all about that part because I thought it was real, <laughs> but that's what she looked like, Okay, essentially. Horrifying, unkempt, 
way too thin like clearly to go from and you look at her and there's no way she's 22 in your mind to go to that level is just like the fact that they could keep doing that to her despite this is unconscionable so she died in her sleep on oh. July 1st, 1976. She weighed 66 pounds. God. Her knees were broken due to prolonged and repetitive genuflections. Yeah, that's that kneeling down. As part of the exorcisms, and she was immobile and had pneumonia. She broke her knees from kneeling over and over. Yep. Broke her knees. That's fucking insane. The knees are hard to break. <laughs> oh. I know, man. Um, the autopsy report stated that her death resulted from malnutrition and dehydration due to almost a year of semi-starvation during the exorcisms. The death was investigated and the state prosecutor found that Anna's death was preventable even as late as one week prior to her death. They could have saved her. Her parents and the two priests were charged with negligent homicide and the trial began on March 30th, 1978. The priests were defended by church-paid lawyers and the parents were defended by a dude who claimed that the exorcism was legal and that the German constitution protected citizens in the unrestricted exercise of their religious beliefs. Hmm. So it's like, if you believe it, just do it. Yeah. You know, it's like Nike, just do it. They played... (laughs) You, it seems like you made yourself sad on that one. I did. Cause like, like, well, first of all, I was like, that's nice. not a good exorcism. Just do it. You know what I mean? It's like, that's not. That's not a good attitude uh, right. about exorcism. No. They played the court, the audio tapes Oof. from the exorcisms, which they maintained proved that she was possessed due to the appearance of demonic voices on the tapes. The priest testified that Anna was possessed by several demons claiming to be Lucifer, Cain, Judas, Iscariot, Judas Iscariot. He's the one that turned on Jesus. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> it's in there for a reason, and now I know why. That's amazing. Look at you. Now, who's Hitler? <laughs> now, who, now, which one of the saints is Hitler? <gasps> Hitler came out of her? Yeah. They what said the also fuck? Hitler and Nero. Jesus. This is like not a, Jesus. It's all-star villain. No, Jesus, Jesus was wasn't not. there, clearly. <laughs> no, Jesus is against them. He was nowhere to be found in this situation. <laughs> no. He didn't come to visit. Hitler. Fuck. Guess who's coming to dinner? Not Jesus. <laughs> he took a pass on this dinner party. He latered right out of there. Nero, my God. Who's Nero? Nero's that, uh, the Roman, what do you call it? Caesar, Augustus, whatever. The guy that, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, uneducated. No, I get it. He's the guy that, that fiddled while Rome burned. He was the last emperor of Rome. Okay. Stephen, check it. <laughs> History and math and science, not my thing. And anything, really. They also noted <laughs> that the exorcisms apparently finally worked. They said it worked immediately prior to her death. So, oh, like, well, so it worked. So, so unfortunate. Yeah. Um, they also noted that the, uh, they okay, they were found guilty of a manslaughter, sentenced to six months imprisonment, which was later suspended, and three years of probation. And there's a photo of her mom at the funeral open casket, like praying next to her daughter's corpse that she effectively killed. Her story is dramatized in the films The Exorcism of Emily Rose, Requiem, which I watched, and Annalise, The Exorcist Tapes. So, like, this is where they all came from is pretty much this chick's fucking experiences. Yeah. Despite the fact that in 1984, the bishops declared Annalise mentally ill. So even oh. the bishops were like... 
remember what we said. They said she's not possessed, but still her grave became a pilgrimage center for fringe believers. Of course. Um, okay. And then this made me think of this book I recently read called Brain on Fire by Susan Callahan. Have you heard of it? No. It's really good. And then I looked it up to find the details of it because in it, she talks about how this disease that she had, uh, they now think is linked to a lot of ex- the, uh, what they thought was the exorcism signs. And so I looked this up. It's not my, I'm not fucking, uh, this has already been talked about a lot on the internet as far as brain on fire is concerned. So it's not me being like, Oh my God, I just put it together. Like right. everyone put it together. Yeah. So Susanna and the book brain on fire is really fucking good. She's 24. She's a writer at the New York post and she starts going fucking crazy. She comes fixated on the idea that her home was infested with bed bugs. Mm. She like calls a bed bug guy in to like clean out her, like what the fuck? And he's like, there's no bed bugs in here. She's paranoid, irrational, laughing and crying all the time. Her family thought she was having a nervous breakdown and they like kind of blow her off and give her antipsychotics and then anti-seizure meds when she starts having seizures. So along the same lines, and she is eventually finally diagnosed with anti-NMDA receptor encephalitis, which is caused when the body's immune system goes haywire and attacks a protein in the brain that helps neurons communicate. Fuck. Yeah. Which sounds a lot like Alzheimer's. Yes. They're linking it to that, too. Shit. And it, it was like there was one doctor who was able to finally figure it out. And the way he figured it out is when he had her draw a clock and she drew the circle and wrote all of the numbers tightly on the right-hand side. So her the brain wasn't computing. It wasn't even seeing the other side. And she thought it was normal. <sighs> you know what I mean? Yes. Because so, I feel like I've seen that picture. Right. Yeah. So she was... Um, so it's the same receptor that's blocked by PCP or ketamine, and both drugs can make a normal person act like someone with schizophrenia. So, which I didn't know. That sounds terrifying. Why would you take those drugs? Well, in the seventies, I think most people accidentally smoked PCP. Yeah, there was a lot of like, because that's angel dust, right? Yeah, yeah, or accidentally on purpose uh. because the drug wars were <laughs> fucking racist and horrible. <laughs> that's true. Uh, look it up. Look up Nero. While How you're dare at you? It. <laughs> Look, it, Look up. it up. No, I didn't mean it like that. I'm like, you better. Yeah, no, I'm right. No, I, I didn't mean like, I don't know. I mean, Look it up. I don't care. No, I meant like, you know what I mean? I just yeah. want to make clear. Yes. <laughs> the disease, the disease chip. <laughs> Steven, make me sound like I can read. We can do this. The disease typically strikes young women and symptoms worsen and include agitation, paranoia, delusions, hallucinations, and seizures and psychosis. Fuck. Yeah. It's I'm now- literally thinking back in the 90s of like, did I have paranoia? Did I have, was I hallucinating? But and I did you think, do you remember? Because like schizophrenia hits younger women. It seems mm-hmm. like really, that's really the, the like main demographic. Yeah. And so did you ever be like, shit, man, if I'm going to hit it, this is going to be it. Like at 24, I was like, get out of this yes. without schizophrenia. You Well, yes, because the, uh, so the brain grows like a certain way every seven years, a certain amount every seven years. That's like this. So that's why they say it's when you're, um, you know, mm. 21, whatever. It goes in sevens of when they think, when they most commonly diagnose it. Right. Uh, so they say, and when I, I was at the end, it was, I was 28 and it was the, my, fourth one or like, whatever phew yeah your fourth seizure oh no your fourth no no it was like the cycle right. or whatever where i was when i read that thing about the brain growing and that's why sometimes people have seizures yeah and sometimes they have them and never have them again i had one at 14 no yeah. 12 
Yeah. I had one at 12. Your brain is a little... My brother had one, too. Yeah, pretty common. I that because it's just complicated. Um, well, yeah, then it makes sense why a young woman comes in with fucking symptoms that look like schizophrenia, who's like 23 or 4, and of course... It's just an obvious diagnosis, but then when the brain, uh, the drugs don't work, you know, that's a sign that it's not. Yeah. But, you know, they didn't, doctors a lot didn't want to look into that more and would just send you to someone else. And Well, it's like when they're supposed to be the final word, and if they don't know what to right. do, then what do you do? Well, she said she, she, said she spent 100000 no, 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 she said she spent a million dollars on different drugs to try to tackle this. Jesus. And none of it worked. And then finally, this guy's like, draw a clock. And she's like, what? And draws it. And it didn't cost anything to draw the clock and for him to be like, you have this. Wow. Okay. So anyways, that's not about, this isn't about her. Uh, <laughs> so it's now speculated that anti-NMDA receptor encephalitis could be behind historical descriptions of what was believed to be de- demonic possession, including um, in The Exorcist when she walks on her walk. How do you explain that? she backwards crab walks yes Mm -hmm. that's like your your bones get stiff your body like turns into these crazy folds and stuff like that and that's one of the fucking things that happen really yeah that's crazy so that exact symptom of demonic possession is actually a symptom of this wow um so appropriate diagnosis and treatment more than 80 percent of patients have a good outcome and then I wrote the worst line I've ever written to end a, end a story because I didn't know how else to do it. Susan Callahan got better, but unfortunately, Annalise Michelle didn't have the chance. <laughs> I know. Everyone, I mean, listen to listen. I think they're making a movie out of it. Brain on Fire. Really fucking interesting. I would love to see that. Or I think read I it. have it. You can have it. Um, I do want to read that. Uh, I saw. I think Requiem is that the one that's in German. Yes. That movie is so upsetting. I saw the first, I would say, two-thirds of it. Mm-hmm. And then when she started having seizures, mm. when it started getting into that thing, I was like, oh, I don't want to watch a girl have seizures. It looks so horrifying when she has a seizure. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Well, it is really... I mean, you picture back when demonic possession was conceived. Yeah. And when it was people who... Like, if you had a brain disorder in, you know, medieval times or the Dark Ages, you were just fucked because there was no treatment. There was nothing to be done. Well, not even the Dark Ages. In the fucking 90s at Bellevue Hospital, like a seizure, you were, you know, if they couldn't control it, right? Well... They can control it. They just don't know why you're having it unless yeah. they go in and they go have brain surgery and they look to find if there's scars on your brain. Right. But like if there's no, if you don't have like, oh, I got in a car accident and this is what's happening. If you don't have a story that they can put a storyline to, then they're just like, we don't know. And that's in the beginning of my seizure disorder journey. In the beginning, they were just like, oh, this is just alcohol withdrawal. You're, this right. is what happens to alcoholics. I, of course, then with absolutely no shame whatsoever was like, but I've never stopped drinking. Um, (laughs) So how could I have withdrawals? (laughs) There's no withdrawal situation happening. But, you know, and then it turned out that that wasn't what it was because I still have seizures to this day. And you were probably even not aware the seizures were going on because you were drinking so much that you just didn't even... notice them i knew things were happening and i had injuries and i'd weird you know i'd weird eye because of the aura of my seizures my eyes flick around and so when that first started i would be driving and it felt to me like i was looking at the other cars coming like i have a very specific memory of driving down fountain and just check i felt like i was checking the other cars and so i was like oh am i crazy now that i'm like ocd checking cars but it turned out it was my eyes just going "Eh, uh, uh, 
because uh, oh, that's so you, the aura and then you seem paranoid a little because you can't stop looking at the cars mm, i mean i didn't think that okay but you could put that together yeah. if you were a doctor trying to figure out what the hell was going sure. on all of that stuff fits totally but the idea that they just keep going back to the church or to catholicism yeah. to fix it is just like oh, it's heartbreaking yeah i know so. broken kneecaps is not cool oh that's such a specific thing of like okay this is a thing you can point to of excessive what she went through that specific thing of her knees being broken from fucking yeah someone should have said stop way fucking earlier than yeah. when she weighed 66 pounds yeah. it's insanity it doesn't make sense and but it's, the whole time she was on board with it so they were probably like because they're priests these people have i don't know like, she was because she was no, I'm saying because priests oh. are doing it to her. She's a devout right. Catholic. Those they are, know they best. Are, they, they drink the blood of Christ. Man. They know better than doctors. Sure. They're like final word. It makes me think too of, did you watch Taboo, the Tom Hardy series on FX? Oh, wait, uh, we watched a couple episodes. There was just one near the end. His sister, who's married, and she's just like a rebel. She's just like a fuck you rebel for lots of different reasons. Her husband finally decides that she's possessed by the devil and has someone come to exercise the demons inside her. And she basically just get, gets molested by this priest. And it's, it's that thing, too, of women in society mm. over the years where it's like when you did have these people and it's not, you know, it's not the exact same thing every time, obviously. But that it's such a good example of like women having no... Um, you know, ownership. rights or ownership over their own fucking bodies. Yeah. So then it was like, if you're sassing back and saying fuck and all this stuff, then you're possessed by the devil. And then two men come in and get to just do what, what they want to quote unquote, get rid of the devil inside you. And you are just tied down and you know, you have to take it. Well, it's the same thing as far as in like the fifties and sixties and seventies, where it's like, my wife is being uh, rebellious and, or depressed. And it's like, well, give her a fucking, uh pill lobotomy oh shit yeah the lobotomy situation oh man that's like she's doesn't want to be a fucking housewife anymore she's going crazy georgia have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant like perfectly scrambled eggs oh my god yes karen and then all i want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day well you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Goodbye. 
There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com slash murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Okay, we're going back to... <laughs> no, wait, 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 let's see. We're going back to the area that you were just in for okay. mine. What are the odds? So we were talking to somebody uh, yesterday who said, do you guys take requests? Mm -hmm. And we were kind of like, um, but then he said, do you know about this guy? And the second he started talking, I knew who he's talking about. And I got that thing that I always get when people talk to me about cases where if I know, I just want to interrupt them immediately and be like, it's this, 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 and this. But well, that's what I did. And you were quiet. So you're probably like writing it down. I wasn't, I was just oh. mentally noting, but okay. that's what I wanted to do was just be like, and I think at, at some point I did say something, but um, it is so know. hilariously frustrating when it's somebody's going like, have you ever heard of this thing? And then they tell you the whole story and you can't, you You're can't like, immediately just be like, yes. Or correct them. Um, so I knew if I had such strong feelings, I should tell that story. So awesome. I love it. That's like such a quick turnaround. I know. Right? I heard about it yesterday. Yeah. And look at me now. So uh, this is the story of Jack Unterweger, the Vienna Strangler. <laughs> and it's so crazy. Um, it, this should be much more well known mm -hmm. and talked about. It's so crazy. Okay. So essentially, just to give you a little background on Vienna, Austria, Please which... Do. I can't tell you how many times I got confused while I was writing this, forgetting that Vienna is the city within Austria and not Austria as a city itself. So much to learn, so much, so many ways to grow. I feel like we're learning so much this episode. I mean, growing. It's kind of like being in school. It's school time. Uh, it's school time of day. We're dotting our everythings. All right. So. In 2005, there was a study of 120 world cities, and um, Vienna ranked, it tied with Vancouver and San Francisco as the world's most livable city. Mm. Um, and then in 2011 and 2015, it was ranked second behind Mel Melbourne, Australia. Um, and it is, uh, the, it is, classified by the United Nations Human Settlements Program as the most prosperous city in the world. Wow. 2012, 2013. Let's move there. So it's fancy pantsy. Um, 
they don't they barely have that much crime they have very little murder Mm. very little so on new year's eve 1990 a woman's body is found Mm. by hikers in the forest in western austria her name was heidi hammerin she was a 31 year old sex worker she was nude face down posed and had been strangled with her own stockings that were tied in a complex slip knot oh never wear i'm never wearing stockings because that's all they're used for (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) In these stories, absolutely. Um, So five days later in the city of Graz, hikers find the body of Brunhilde Massa in a forest. She's partially buried. Mm. She's been posed in the same manner as Heidi was. She was strangled with her own bra that was tied in a complex slipknot. Don't wear bras. I'm just (laughs) taking off all my clothes for this episode. There's all these solutions. Solutions. Mm -hmm. No bras. Okay, so the police can't find any usable evidence on either of the bodies except that Heidi had a bunch of red fibers all over her that didn't match anything that she was wearing Ooh. so they took those fibers put in a bag for later <clears throat> um, but it was so uh, uncommon un, um, that anything like this would happening was would be happening that these murders hit the papers and everybody in Austria is freaking out um, so they have a crime reporter named Jack Unterweger who takes to the streets to talk to police and sex, sex workers about these crimes for Aust- Austrian national radio. Like That's their the version same name as of the NPR. It is. Started it is. Talking about. Um, I was trying to say it fast so you wouldn't notice that. But um, he oh, sorry, interviews nothing. on the streets. He interviews sex workers about the fear that they're feeling. Mm. And he goes to the police and talks to the the investigators um, about whether or not they have any idea of who they're looking for. And the police tell him they have no idea. What a great ruse. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in Los Angeles, California, that's where we live, um, a 35-year-old sex worker named Shannon Exley is found underneath an 18-wheeler in Boyle Heights. She's posed. She's naked. She's been strangled with her own bra that's been tied with a complex slipknot. Boyle Heights is close to us. Uh-huh. Very close. Oh, my God. Um, then, so the police, when they find, they see this, there's no clues, there's nothing. So uh, they look into any other unsolved murders with the same MO, and they find two others, uh, both Irene Rodriguez, who was found in Boyle Heights as well, and a woman named Peggy Booth, who was found in Malibu Cannon, had both been strangled to death with their own clothing, left out in the open. They were all sex workers. They had all three been assaulted with tree branches. So immediately, what? yeah, immediately the LA detectives know that they've got a serial killer. That's three murders in 15 days. Holy so they're like, sh- we have a fucking serial killer. Emergency. But then nothing else happens and the case goes cold. Now let's go back to Vienna. Uh, there's two more sex workers' bodies that have been found. Karen Araglu and Sabine Moitzi. They were both also found in the forest, both strangled with their own clothing um, that was tied in slip knots. So these, every time it happens, it hits the paper and people freaking out. The, the pressure and the panic is building because um, this is just something that does not happen there. Uh, so finally, a retired detective named August Schenner from Salzburg is reading about these murders, and he contacts the Austrian police, the, the Viennese police, I should say. And uh, he tells them that Jack Unterweger, the crime reporter, and the, fam- the famous crime reporter, famous he's, a, crime reporter? he's a well-known um, guy around 
um, Austria. Oh shit, I didn't know that. That he he reminds police that Unterweger was is famous because he was convicted of murder in 1974. Um, he. Uh, uh, August Schenner tells police it's the same MO as the 1974 murder of these women that are being killed now, except for the 74 murder. He knew the woman personally. She was not a sex worker. Um, Why but is he out of prison? But it's the same. Oh, I'm about to tell you. Oh, good. Um, it's the same MO, same knots, same uh, everything. And uh, Schenner says, you, I know you don't have any, you're saying you don't have any suspects right now. You should at least take a look at his movements and see where he was all these different times in these different locations where these women's bodies were found. Totally. Um, so the police start to look into Unterweger and, and that trial. So basically, he, as I said, he was tried and convicted in 1974 for the murder of um, this, uh, let's see, her name was Margaret Schaefer. Um, he was, he went to his, the girl he was dating at the time, he went to her hometown um, to vi so she could visit her family in Germany. And they see, as they drive into town, they see her school friend, Margaret Schaefer, walking along the street. So at that moment, um, Jack Unterweger decides that they're going to rob her and her parents. Um, what dicks? Uh, so it, he ends up... Um, taking her out to the forest, murdering, attacking her, raping her, murdering her, strangling her with her own clothes. And he, and uh, his girlfriend spills the, be the beans on the whole murder and he ends up going to jail. Uh -huh. So while he's in jail, he goes into jail and he can't read or write. He's had a horrible childhood. His mother, um, he alleges his mother was a prostitute or a sex worker, sorry. Um, the word prostitute is used a lot I'm in this sure. case. So. Um, uh, but uh, he says that she was a prostitute. She gave him up to his alcoholic, horrible grandfather when he was little, and she took off. He never knew his father. Mm. They think his father was an American soldier. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he has to live as a child, live with this alcoholic grandfather in a cabin in the woods, mm -mm. who a one-room cabin where he is constantly bringing girlfriends and mm. sex workers back to the cabin to have sex while he's in the room. Oh man. That's his childhood. He when he gets older, he so then finally the state takes him out of that situation. He goes from foster home to foster home. Then he uh he goes to juvie for a little while. He's he finally gets out um and between 1966 and 1979 He's convicted 16 times of sexual assault. Holy shit. And he spends most of that um, period of time, it was like nine years, in jail. So when he finally gets out of jail, that's when he um, finds the girlfriend, starts traveling all over, and that's when he ends up killing Margaret Schaefer. So he goes to jail illiterate, um, but he, while there, teaches himself. He's, he is uh, convicted and given a life sentence. Um, and in that, sorry, in that uh, trial, he's declared insane by a psychologist who describes him as being sexually, a sexually sadistic psychopath with narcissistic and histrionic tendencies prone to fits of rage and anger. And, and they, that psychologist said he's an incorrigible perpetrator. So he goes to jail. And when he's in jail, I've said this now three times, he can't read or write. So he <laughs> teaches himself to read and write mm. in jail. And um, 
he starts writing plays, he starts writing poems, and he starts writing children's stories. And at the same time, there was this movement in Austria for prison reform. And one of the, like the approach of their prison reform uh, was called re-socialization. So mm -hmm. it's the idea that if somebody is in jail, they understand what they've done, that they've done wrong, that they should have a chance to make good on that. And, and um, so mm -hmm. that's what jail is prison is for right so, you don't get to do that <laughs> so they're basically it's this kind of um it's very the intel you know the intellectuals of the country were kind of like this is what needs to happen we need to give people a chance and and through the arts and through self-expression um they can basically reform themselves and so but the, oh, jack but they do, but that doesn't matter because they still committed this crime oh, sorry go on no 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 you're uh, you're exactly right it just pisses me off but it's that old i think it's back before they understood serial killers they understood yes. these pers these personalities and right what that actually means because how somebody can be actually totally unrepentant and have no conscience so they don't of course they're not sitting there going i shouldn't have done that i promise i'm not yeah. going to do it again like that's not well, happening that, i think that mindset that some that people had back then where it's like anyone could commit these crimes not thinking that no it's just you know the, those people who are saying that don't understand the urge to kill or to sexually assault someone because you know they don't have that so they're, they're like grouping all criminals together yeah or they're grouping all humans together yes. and, and mental you know capacities and fucking psychopaths so there's uh there's a lot of people who theorize that when he knew that this was the reform because the reform started before he went to jail before any of that happened mm -hmm. so he knew that was something they were looking toward so he gets into jail and is basically like this is the this is the prisoner i'm gonna be and so instead of being here for a life sentence i'm gonna get myself out by playing straight into the need for this program and people's need for this program to be real and to work yeah so he while he's in jail, he writes an autobiography called Purgatory. I, can, I can't say the German version of that word because it's, it's also crazy. Um, and that autobiography becomes a hit. What? And uh, a director even makes a movie of it. Oh. Of, it's basically his life story. Holy shit. And there's this groundswell of support for him and his art and his expression and the proof that he can be re-socialized mm -hmm. and that this can work. Um, in 1985, they start up, the certain group of people start up a demand for his early release. So it's oh. all actually, uh, one could say, if that was the plan, it's going perfectly mm. for him. Um, and he basically, in May of 1990, he gets released from prison after serving 15 years of a life sentence. <laughs> uh-huh. <gasps> So oh immediately he gets released from prison and he becomes a fixture on television talk shows. He poses as the model of pris prison rehabilitation. He um, gets invited to high society cocktail parties. His autobiography is taught in schools. His stories for children are performed on the radio. What in the fuck? Uh -huh. The he poor woman who got killed by him is like, hey, uh, I would be still alive if this guy. Yes. Exactly. Well, um, so he he actually was there. There's clips of him on, I think it was called Cafe Two. Now I can't remember what the name of the show is, but it's it literally a circle of men in like turtlenecks, mm. and it's like, 
you know suit jacket and turtleneck they're very clearly like the intelligentsia and they're just talking about prison reform and he's there in an all-white silk suit what? He, <laughs> he looks like Steve Martin doing a character oh in a movie. Oh, my God. And he's there to give his firsthand account of the reality of prison reform. To, tell, to school them. Yeah, to tell them how it really is. And this made, this is what everybody wanted. And he was doing it. And Lo- it was all like, it. this is how society should truly be. Um, Diabolical, man. He also, um, he made a lot of money because of all of these successes. He wore designer clothes the white silk suit which i enjoyed he's wearing it in a lot of clips he also drove a ford mustang with the license plate jack one which i don't know why i think that's so hilarious he but won is <laughs> the number one. Oh, i think it's like he fucking won well man. you're exactly right because he did um he gets a he gets a 18 year old girlfriend so in september of the same year he's released in may in september of that year some people walking along the vatava river near prague find the body of Blanca Bakova. She's not a sex worker. She was just uh, nearby meeting friends for a drink. Um, And this is four months after he has been released from prison and is living this life. So uh, on the advice of um, the man from Salzburg, sorry, turn the page. um, uh, On the advice of our August Schenner. Right. Um, the police get a search warrant and an arrest warrant. They start looking at uh, Jack Unger. <laughs> now I've lost every Jack Ungerwater's um, movements. And they see that he, coincidentally, has been in all of the towns where these women have been murdered when they disappear. Uh-uh. So they're starting to track it and they're like, oh, this guy is exactly right. Uh-huh. Like, this is serious. So they get a warrant to search his home and his an arrest warrant. But when they get to his house, he's not there. Uh-uh. So they start looking through his house, they find evidence that he had gone to Prague at the same time as Bakova's death to do research on an article about prostitution. Um, And he was placed at a cafe 500 meters away from where she was last seen the night she disappeared. They also find a red scarf (sighs) and they bag that shit up. Mm -hmm. So one detective that's looking around his house sees that he has keepsakes from a recent trip to L.A., uh-oh. And so they're like, what was he doing in L.A.? So they call the LAPD and they ask if they have any unsolved strangling uh, sex work or homicides. And LAPD's like, we got fucking three. Fuck. So. Uh, what year is this? Sorry, 90-ish? What's that? What year is this? 90-ish? 91. Okay. So it turns out that Jack had been hired by an Austrian magazine to write an article on prostitution in America. Uh, so he went to L.A. And he called up the LAPD. They found in his apartment, they found a visitor's pass for the LAPD headquarters. And they found um, he had gone on a ride along with some officers downtown. And on that ride along, he asked them where um, the sex workers, where the prostitutes work and are. And they drove him by the spot uh, where they all stood around. So mm. they basically pointed out his targets. Oh my God. The, and that article was published in an Austrian magazine in December <gasps> of 1991. So he actually really was a columnist, <sighs> but he was reporting on the murders he was doing. Can we please get an original copy of that article? Of the, you want it in German? Oh, <laughs> no, I guess not. Yes. <laughs> I thought that's what you meant. Like, can we just see it? Yeah, As it was no, written. you know what? Yes, I'm going to go. Okay. Yes. We'll go all the way there. I'm going there. He also stayed at the Cecil Hotel. 
that's where he was staying the whole time. I just scared the shit out of Mimi because I... <laughs> Oh my God, the Cecil, yes. our good friend, the Cecil, the Cecil Hotel, where everything bad happens. Mm-hmm. Where Elisa Lamb, Elisa Lamb was found dead in the water tank, but also Richard Ramirez stayed there while he was doing a little killing in Los Angeles. Uh, Man, it's like they have a discount rate in like Murder Magazine or some shit. I mean, it's so hilariously terrible. Yeah, but it is right down there in the worst of yes, the worst things that are happening in los angeles the cisa hotel, hotel is like centrally located i love they trying things. to rebrand themselves by calling themselves like stay on main stay on main it's yeah like, no honey but the funniest thing is that sign is still up that says hotel cecil oh. it reads hotel cecil down like that and the like vintage painting on the side mm-hmm. that says cecil hotel or whatever they can't i think they can't oh historically I mean, uh, that's my guess because there we just drove by there the other night and we looked at it and that's all still up. Yes or no? We do a special episode from a room in the Cisa Hotel. 100%, the one Elisa yes. Lamb stayed in, or Richard Ramirez stayed in, or this guy stayed in. Hundred percent, yes. Stephen, can you write that down? Stephen, ideas, and Let's then we write in the dark German articles. <laughs> Listen for Austrian magazines. <laughs> send them over. We just do Google Translate and send them over. Yeah. But I want it in my hand, like paper. Okay, good. <laughs> You're like, uh, great. We know what you want, George. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> well, so, okay, so he, Thanks. so they put all of it together and they put all of it, it's circumstantial evidence, but they're putting all of it together. And there's that, there's that guy that you see in every special that was in the, I, I watched, um, oh shit, I've done it again. I didn't quote this at the top, but I got all of this from the biography <laughs> channel. <laughs> but this is d- different. It's all it's all you got information from a place and That's then right. you put it in several places your not story just me not too i mean you're um, gonna fucking make it up <laughs> you know this is all from the internet yeah. the biography channel uh is the first special i watched on this and it's that thing in the, it reminded me when it for, when the title comes up it starts biography channel so you're just watching and then it's jack unterweger and i remembered normally watching like when the biography channel specials would come up i'd be like sitting there and then it'd be like reba mcintyre and you'd be like "Eh, i don't want to watch this but then it's like if one of those came up in real time naturally it was the most exciting thing in the world yes when it was before specialized true crime television was really as popular as it is now and before dvr so you kind of didn't know what was going to be on yes you just had to like catch it catch you had to be there listen so he he goes Unterweger goes on the lam with his 18 year old girlfriend they end up in miami um no i'm kidding miami uh yeah um to do a show there now and he also he starts calling into the radio station that he used to work for explaining to them that he's innocent he's being framed by the cops um you know he's just the most you know it he looks bad because of that old murder but blah 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 he's like calling in and trying to make a case for himself and there actually are people that are on his side because mm. there's because they've bought into the celebrity of him so hard that like they can't turn around now sure they can't admit that loopsie yeah and because so, then you're also kind of responsible for those women getting murdered in a like weird roundabout way well yeah there's definitely guilt yeah there's definitely guilt you are but you would think you are you would yeah you'd have you'd feel fucking terrible yes. for for that yes um so this guy from the FBI helps Vienna develop what they call a crime signature. And his crime signature is um, murdering strangulation with ligature, 
made of clothing tied with complex slip knots. Wow. And um, so they uh, they go to trial. Oh, when he gets arrested, he gets put in jail. He slits his wrists, mm. and there's even more support for him and more empathy for him. So he Fucking finally goes to trial. Ding-dongs. And uh, it's two months later after his arrest, and his defense is, why would I kill women? I have a very healthy sex life. I've slept uh-huh. with over 150 women, which is exactly the number that Alex Jones said when he was talking about how many women he slept with really which i think is kind of funny 150 is like just ridiculous enough yeah um and as if as if it has any one has anything to do with totally i love women why would i kill women right we know i don't need to have sex yes right i don't need to sexually assault one women they give it to me yeah oh yeah that's all it is about is yeah sexual gratification right no no you fucking lunatic (laughs) so uh, up until they say up until kind of like this turning point, he did have uh, those supporters weren't relenting until the guy from the FBI came and pointed out the crime signature. And they had all these pieces of clothing from all the murders. And he just held them up one after the other and was like complex slipknot, complex slipknot on every single one. Oh and God. that's when the room tur- turned and it all went um, different for him. Uh he was convicted of nine of 11 murders wow. of sex workers in LA, LA, Prague, and Vienna. Um, and in June of 1994, he was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. And that night, he committed suicide in jail. Um, and the interesting thing is that he hung himself with shoelaces and the uh, band, the rope band from his sweatpants. And he used a complex slip knot to tie Fuck. it. Uh huh. Oh, I was holding my breath for that one. Yeah. Oh my god. Yes. They also matched the the red fibers on Heidi. Oh, right. Matched the scarf that they got out of his apartment. Right. Like everything was was adding up, but it's all circumstantial, circumstantial, yeah. circumstantial. So when they that's that's why L.A. didn't try to prosecute is because there was nothing. They were like, you've got nine murders or eight murders over there we're not going to be able to get him because everything over here is circumstantial and not, there's nothing solid. It's all just like basically these three horrible murders that match exactly while he was there and visiting. And his MO. Yeah. Fuck man. Uh, How have I never fucking heard of him? It's such a fascinating case. There's way more to read, but like the idea that while he was murdering sex workers and then writing columns yeah. about the murderer and the murders and asking people how they felt and he was writing the about the, like acknowledging and writing about the murderer yes yes wow. he was basically in faux investigating his own crime <gasps> it's amazing and oh that was That's the thing so that stupid i was trying to find this but um one of the experts uh talking about him said the the thing about um the psychopaths, the kind of psychopath that he is, is you stop focusing on what they do and he, they make you focus on them. Oh. And that's how that, like, it's cult of personality. So, so when he was in jail, the, the fact that he had strangled a young woman faded away Never and it all became play. about me and my life and how hard it's been for me and read my autobiography. And this is so sad. He never Here's said my, like, I made a mistake and killed this, like, no, no, this no. thing. It was like, don't even point that out. No, he, oh. it was all about him. And then, and he was, he was smart enough and manipulative enough, 
manipulative enough to play the part of the person they were looking for you know to really kind of like be the face of and spearhead totally. this resocialization plan he was just like i'm gonna be that guy do you think that when you know when um when people get convicted of murder and then they get to read a letter to the judge or to the family and they just talk about themselves that's the same kind of thing instead of like apologizing to the family yeah or saying i made a mistake or whatever Yes, and that's just like I had a hard childhood. I was that's the same thing. Wow, I've always because it's pissed me off whenever I hear those. No, yeah, that's the because it's the narcissist. It, it's um, is it I some you know a bunch of those traits go across the board and yeah. like if you're this you're this you're this but it's like narcissism for sure but then also um the psychopaths where it's just like it's their world and everyone is just an ant in that yeah. world and they get to do what they want. And everything is too power. Everything is too, you know what I mean? Like it's to feed their ego. And things are done to them. And like they have unfair, they, things are unfair to them. And yeah. Not. And, if, and if they're like, I don't even want to talk. Like when he was finally arrested, they tried to get him to talk about the 1974 murder. And he was like, I have no memory. I don't know what you're talking about. And just like, <gasps> it's as if in his mind, since he doesn't acknowledge it, it didn't happen. Wow. I always wish there was a way to get them to like, fucking feel bad about it you know yeah but that's the uh there's no such thing that's they me. don't have a conscience that's they, me thinking they, don't they can feel be bad. rehabilitated which they can't it's you thinking they're like you yes it's that yes and actually that's part of the fascination of all of this shit is there's these people that are built totally differently right. or because of their circumstances of how they were raised which is like alcoholic grandfather who did these things it's like there's no way your brain can then go to where you and i are and steven and hopefully and (laughs) (laughs) but Uh, also i think you have to have that because lots of people get beaten up by horrible grandfathers and all that stuff you have then it's that extra piece of being a sociopath or being a psychopath where it turns because this guy was just like on fire with the lord since fucking day one where he's like 16 assaults yeah out of you know when he's like in his teens and early 20s he he had done. huge problems from jump and never stopped doing it. Yeah. And then just tricked everybody in this insane way because you know he was getting off on the idea of like, I'm going to go interview the head of this investigation and ask them if they have any idea who's doing this. And the answer is no. And he gets to and get they that weren't, quote. Like none of them were like, that's weird that he's putting himself, you know, because that's one of the things is that they put the murderers put themselves in the middle of the investigation or just a little too interested in it. Yeah, but I they guess they didn't know that then. They didn't know it. It's so funny, too, because it's not that long ago. It's the 90s, right. but it's still police procedurally. It's long ago. Well, that descri- explains to me a thing that I haven't really ever, ever understood, which is why Anne Rule never suspected or even took a while after Ted Bundy was arrested to be like, yeah, that was him. So she was under that same fucking spell. Yes. Okay. It's like I never charisma. understood. It was like, how did you fucking not know? Because, you know, haven't you ever met a person like that? Like, I've definitely met one person in particular <sighs> where the charisma is such, they make you think that they think you're the only person in the world. And that, most people never get that. Unless you're like ex- exceedingly beautiful or special in some way. Or it's an actual specific relationship you're having that's because of the two of you right but there's Vince makes me feel that way and I don't want to make (laughs) well that's that's because that's that's it's um you make him feel that way too right but when you meet those people like 
it when it, it in my opinion, I think a lot of love at first sight is like the first time you meet a sociopath Ooh. because they know how to, they know how to ma- manipulate you and they have their reasons for it. Even if it doesn't make sense to you or in your mind, it's like, why would he do that? Yeah. Not, we had this magical thing. And what it's are like, you trying to get, what are you getting out of this? Nothing. And well, having young women be in love with you everywhere you go, you know, is part of it. Yeah. Because I, we don't need that. So we don't understand why other people would need that too. Right. Or you, if you need it, you can then go, yeah, but that would be mean to do to a person who I didn't love back. Like yeah. you can bring an actual, you know, um, conscience into God, it. I saw a relationship like that of two people I know. And it was like, everyone was like, how the fuck do you not see this person doesn't think like you? Yeah. And it's like so surprising to see that from a smart person not understanding these like really obvious to everyone else. Don't you think smart people are almost more susceptible? Because it's like, I never think I'm going to fall for anything. Yeah. And they're almost more like they can intellectualize away, away these things because they're not just ding dongs going along with it. They're like, well, I'm really smart. So I would clearly know this. Well, and also I think that brain based people ignore their gut more. Oh yeah. So it's like, I've met plenty of people who aren't say book smart, which I also didn't mean to just say I'm so smart. Cause I'm true. I've proven here time and again <laughs> that I'm not. Listen, if this is your first episode, <laughs> you know that we don't even have to say that. Please know this, but you there are people who don't get bogged down in thinking and just go ill give goodbye this feels awful for whatever reason whereas if you're a big thinker and a big analyzer then it's like you know this never happens and this is i'm i'm magically being chosen by this amazing magical person who is so charismatic and so you know what i mean like does a thing that you're go you're like what this doesn't happen. This is uncommon. Well, I want to say it's also because of self-esteem. Oh, no, no. I was going to say it's also because you and I have been through a lot of experiences where that has happened to us. And we have, you know, since we were very young and went through some shit. But it's also, so we're like skeptical and thinking that way. But also when that happened to me when I was younger, I had really low self-esteem. Yes. So, you know, it's not just that I didn't know. It's that, that they were like that or what people were like. It's that I when someone treats you that, it's almost like they find the people with low self-esteem. And Fuck they yeah, know they, do. they can see you at a bar that you are that person. And the moment they say a word to you, they can tell if you are or not. That's right. That's exactly right. Because you know what's funny? The person I'm thinking of that I had this experience with where I was like, if the, uh, the things I was thinking that it was and the reality of what it was, I learned terribly about a year later when I watched him do the exact same thing <sighs> to my friend no. who does not have low self-esteem. Oh. When I introduced them, I was standing there and I watched the look. It was like watching a look come over. It was like watching a predator, like yeah. see, uh, you know, like... <laughs> like, a cha- like a thing change colors to fit the environment. Yes. And when I saw the look on his face and my heart just dropped of like, oh no, that's, it wasn't love at first sight. That's the thing he does to everybody. My friend was just like, hey, what's like, nice to meet you and moved on, didn't give a shit. And I was just like, oh man, this is all so awful. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think it can happen to us again. Or, and if it does, we'll be more aware of it and, you know, listen to our fucking friends. It'll never happen again because I'm an emotional lighthouse on the very tip of Maine (laughs) and I'll be there forever (laughs) goodbye (laughs) well at least you're gonna have lighthouse cats that's fun 
It's really the only like positive I can think of that. At least you always get free clam chowder at a lighthouse. Oh my god, with oh. the oyster crackers on top of it and the big sweater, and I'll play the cello. Oh my god, this is gonna be great for me. Mimi, go live with Karen in her lighthouse. <laughs> I should get Mimi. I'm her number one fan. <laughs> um, all right. Anyway, that's that's the story. That's how it is, and we're sticking to it <laughs> on it. T's and eyes. <laughs> And it, hey, what happened this week that you're happy or like, and you know, what do you like? Oh, you know what I'll tell you I like? Um, and it is, it is another present. But because we do get tons of presents. We do. It's Thank best. you for all your presents. It, we love them. We do. We talk about them a lot. And the, the, did you see the thing that someone gave us? That's this thing? Like, yeah. we really fucking lose our minds. We really do it. So we did get a present last week and it was from another person that i know from twitter andrew and he tried to send this thing twice i'm sorry i don't pick up my p.o box enough and i think they fucking hate me there too because <laughs> you get so much stuff now yes they fucking hate me lots of presents uh well he sent us he's a woodworker oh my god and we got oh yeah these gorgeous pens in hand carved um pen holders mm -hmm. pen uh, cases boxes yeah whatever they were and then he carved steven a mustache for his i mean a comb for his mustache a giant wooden comb for his mustache <laughs> steven have you been using it i mean every day my mustache i feel like it, looks it does look good it's like it looks good i gotta you know keep it for keep it tight yeah, yeah that's right it's part of your persona now high and tight um so andrew it's andrew hess that i know from Twitter and he's a great woodworker and thank you so much for sending those and we finally got them and we were blown away yes. blown away by them it was so thoughtful yeah um <laughs> I was always trying to think of things that make me happy or things that I loved and um so we I just put up this hummingbird feeder right outside and like I love hummingbirds and there's been like fucking it's been like a swarm of hummingbirds and every time I see one I yell even if I'm alone hummingbird like I just can't not yell hummingbird even though they're like it's like every 10 minutes but the thing I love is that it made me realize that they're fucking assholes to each other hummingbirds are yeah they're really aggressive mm -hmm. and territorial and they keep fighting against it and it made me so happy because it's like everyone's like hummingbirds are so beautiful and they get tattoos of them and like they love them and it's like well they can be fucking dicks too and sure. it's just this like positive light of to me of like don't don't compare yourself <laughs> don't don't put yourself up to standards of hummingbirds no because they're actually assholes yeah and they're and they're sugar freaks they're they're addicted to sugar yeah. and they just got to get theirs just like everybody yeah. else they are mean to each other it's very funny it's funny because I face the sliding glass door where the hummingbird feeders yeah. are. And so the whole time, especially today, yeah. I can see them. And there's a lot. Right? It's like three at a time every four minutes. Seriously. So it's really hard to concentrate. Like every, I keep wanting to go, oh, look. I, but then that's it's like. exactly <laughs> it. And it's so, yeah, it's so distracting. But it's this peaceful thing of staring at a hummingbird is so nice. But then they fucking dive bomb each other and yeah. chirp, like yell at each other. <laughs> And then you hear their wings or this is like, it's just really fun. They're cool. Yeah. They're super cool. There's actually a video my friend sent me once. Uh, there's a guy who put a GoPro on his face and then put a hummingbird feeder um, <gasps> like near under the GoPro so that it was basically hummingbirds flying up to his face. Oh my God. Drinking their stuff. But so he could get these first person view. Like slow-mo. Of hummingbirds. Dude. It's the best videos. People are the best. Hummingbirds are fucking dicks. So don't worry about your life. Right. People are the best. Yeah. 
especially when they have a GoPro strapped to them. <laughs> Listen, what we're trying to teach you <laughs> is might be unclear now, but it's going to become clear very soon like, within the next 10 years. <laughs> It'll be so obvious. Then you'll to be you. like, "Oh my God, they were right!" And now they live on a tiny island in Maine, and we yeah. can't tell them. Clam Chowder Town. Clam Chowder. I'm the mayor of Clam Chowder Town. You are. Mimi is the mascot, mm-hmm. and you guys are the listeners. And you're the ocean. Thank you guys for being our ocean, our waves, our everything. Yeah, our sea. You guys go deeper than we ever believe possible. Thank you for being the monster underneath the rock, it deep down in the sea. Yeah, that's gonna save us from. Uh, the end of the world that changes colors to match the environment you guys are always evolving with us that's right you're the cuttlefish of this podcast and we appreciate we it we want to cuddle with you <laughs> stay sexy and don't get murdered goodbye bye bye elvis get your ass out here <laughs> he's keeping vince <laughs> company in the elvis 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 do you want a cookie wait okay elvis you want a cookie Yeah. Good boy. Yes. Bye. Bye.